0: Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website www.exchangechurch.org.au The last probably month or so we started in the first book of Samuel so we're going to jump back to that today. Hopefully you would have read those few chapters we put out in the email. Uh, If you haven't, we have uh, an email we send out every Friday just letting people know what's happening in the life of the church. If you wanted to be on that, uh, come and see me after the service I can connect you in. That just sets up our Bible reading for as well so we can sort of be dialed in for where we're going for today. So we're in 1 Samuel and uh, chapters 8 through 11 we're going to um, pick up, but mainly more chapter 8. We're going to spend some time in that, but 9 and 10 are going to also jump in there as well. That's where Amelia read for us before. And I'm just going to add on that in just a second. Before we get there though, have you ever looked across at someone else and seeing what they're doing and quietly said in your heart this? I wish that was me doing what they're doing. It looks like they've found the key to life. It looks like they've actually got what they need to be to be happy and content in life and they're really enjoying themselves. I wish that was me, I really sort of want what they want. I'd like to have what they've got sort of thing and that sort of thought comes into your mind. Have you experienced that before as you looked across and just say, I'd like to have what they've got? Well we're going to see that today in a similar way when Israel begins to look across at all the other nations around about them and they say, we want what they've got. We think they've got something really good and we want what they've got. We're going to see that picture today as we uh, go through this, this first chapter here, uh, sorry, chapter 8 of Samuel, chapter, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8. Um, Amelia's read before from verses 1 to eight, and we're going to pick it up now and complete the chapter by reading verses 19 through to 22. So Amelia got the long reading and I got the short reading, thanks Amelia. Okay, verse 19. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said no. But there shall be a king over us, that we may also be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go, every man to his city. Uh, Lord, thank you today that we can gather here in this building. Thank you again that your word knows no boundaries. Lord, your your word is uh, untamable, And Lord, we thank you today that your word speaks into our hearts through the work of your Holy Spirit and your word changes us. So I pray now, even as we begin to lift up our hearts and minds to this, we pray, Holy Spirit, come and change our heart. Come and work through this story here as we see this transitional point in the life of Israel. Come and work in our heart to be content in the great and glorious King, King Jesus. Father, we ask that we pray that now in your precious name, Lord. Amen. Okay, so we have been moving through the book of Samuel where God is recounting, recounting for us his provision for Israel to have a king. And we're going to see this sort of turning point take place here today. Uh, And when we see this, we'll actually see how the events have been unfolding over the past few chapters, and particularly this chapter here, that have gotten Israel to this point where they are now wanting a king like all the other nations round about them. What is God doing? God God means for us to see a number of things here in these details. These aren't sort of stories or narratives here just to entertain us about life and sort of give us a bit of a feel-good feeling for a little while. No, they're not. Samuel is actually here for us to learn about God and Samuel is also here for us to learn about ourselves as well. What God has ordained as he's written scripture here for us, he's ordained that we see him at all of his work through all of his wise providence, governing and sort of working at his purposes throughout the world through the lives of people right throughout history and also at the same time we see ourselves through these stories from the very good to the very worst of humanity in our our, uh, lives as well. So we're to see that, we're to see God working in his wise providence but also to see ourselves from our good but also to our worst as well. These chapters here are a significant turning point when Israel begins to establish an earthly monarchy. You might say, what's happened to this point? Well, up to this point, Israel as God's chosen people are ruled directly by God as their king we would call that a theocracy if you wanted a sort of a term to describe that it's God who's actually their king and they're reigning over them but now today we'll see that's not good enough for the people of Israel they don't want this any longer we want our own king they demand here is what they begin to tell Samuel we want to have a king just like all the other nations around about us we want to be like them we want to have our own king So that's where we're going to be heading today in these chapters, that the Lord is our true and ultimate king and he's to be trusted in every way. The Lord is our true and ultimate king and he is to be trusted in every way. Let's jump in here and let's begin to see what's taking place as we look at this chapter. Uh, 1 Samuel 8 moves very quickly to the end of Samuel's life. You'll see there, uh, we saw a story about 1 Samuel Samuel 7 uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. We missed a week, didn't we? Three weeks ago. Uh, But all of a sudden it gets to Samuel chapter 8 and it says he's very old. So actually we've jumped maybe 20, 30, possibly 40 years in Samuel's life to the end of his life. And it looks like here that he's setting up his sons to be judges in place of him when he's dead and gone. So he's putting that into place. But unfortunately these sons are reckless. They don't have the moral convictions that Samuel has about God and they're not following in his ways. We're told there early in that chapter, as Amelia read for us before, that they're greedy for money and they'll do anything to get it, including taking bribes or perverting the course of justice. They're just trying to feather their own nest with all the finances that they can get at that time. Samuel's old, he's trying to set these sons up as judges The elders of Israel can see what's going on here and they come to Samuel and they say, Samuel, you're old and your sons don't walk in your ways. We want a king now. We want to be like all the other nations around about us. That's what we want, Samuel. When Samuel hears this, he's unhappy and he's displeased with them. Now, what Samuel didn't do was just sort of go, right, here's my chance to actually give them a real spray about how rebellious they are and how sort of, you know, Um, disobedient they are Now he doesn't do that if you notice in chapter 8 actually takes this to the Lord in prayer and even if we just pick that up that's a very powerful moment right there when challenges come into our life what do we do we go to the Lord in prayer to help guide us through this or what do I do Lord what do I do when this is now actually happening to me Now we see in this prayer here, as Amelia read earlier, that the Lord speaks to Samuel. Now I just want to have a real small point of digression here as we just think about that thought on its own. In the Bible there we see like this dialogue between Samuel and God. As you read that it's like Samuel says this and then God replies this and then Samuel says this and then God replies back like that. It's important to remember here that in the Old Testament particularly and somewhat in the New Testament that is how God communicated with his people possibly it was an audible conversation we don't know there we actually just read it on paper and think there's some sort of conversation that's happening two way there but it's unmistakably the words of God are been communicated between Samuel and God at this time that would have been pretty amazing to see well how did this take place and when we get to glory we'll be able to find out but what's important to pick up here is this this isn't How God primarily communicates with us today. Sometimes you can read that and think is that how it always should be? Should it be like this? This isn't how God primarily communicates with us today. God speaks to us today through the Bible. That's God's primary voice to us today is through the pages of scripture. God speaks to us through his living eternal word. That's why every week we open it up here at Exchange. Now this doesn't negate the Holy Spirit impressing thoughts upon our minds and giving us things to think about. And we absolutely believe that the Holy Spirit will actually drop thoughts into our thinking and lead and guide and direct our lives. We believe in this active living relationship of the Spirit working in and through us for God's glory. But we just want to make it clear here, perhaps if we see this, Samuel speaking to God is, is this how it should always be? That's not how God does it in his normal way of communicating to us. It's through his word. It's through his word. Let's grab that now. Let's see what God says here to Samuel in verses 6 and 7. And he says this. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, here's this conversation we're talking about. Uh, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they've not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Really telling verse there and what we're actually seeing take place in this narrative. We're meant to see something of uh, both God and us in that one verse in its own. As we see here what God is doing and we see here what the nation of Israel is doing. God feels this rejection here of Israel. God isn't a passionless God. God has emotions, but they're never out of control and they're perfectly balanced. God doesn't react out of anger or uncontrolled or unrestrained anger. And God doesn't react out of this total emotional mess. God has these emotions, but they are perfectly in check and they are perfectly balanced in every possible way. And that's important for us to understand that. Because sometimes we feel rejection of life and we, we may think, well, God, would you really know what that's like? God does. God knows what it's like to be rejected. Here he is right here being rejected by his people. Very plainly, the whole nation is rejecting him. God knows exactly what we're feeling, what we're going through when we feel that rejection of life. God knows. And he says there, Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me as their king. Have a look in verse 8 according to all their deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt even to this day forsaking me and serving other gods so they are also doing to you in other words God is saying to Samuel look at what I've done for them in the past think about everything I've achieved for them in the past and what are they doing They are staying in these same familiar broken tram tracks of life. They can't get out of the tram tracks of rejecting and walking away from God. They're stuck in them. They're just repeating that same pattern over and over again. Here's the thing with Israel in rejecting God. What they want instead is actually what they see around about them. They're not wanting God, Actually, wanting to, they're wanting what they can see around about them in the other nations that are gathered around Israel. They see all these other nations have this big, strong, manly king. And these nations seem to be doing so well with this big, strong, manly king. And they can continue to hold us under oppression as the nation of Israel with this big, strong, manly king. We want a king just like all these other nations. We think that's the way forward. God says to Samuel in verse nine. He says this: Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them the ways of the king who who shall reign over them. Obey their voice, Samuel, but warn them what this king will be like—the king that they want, not the king that they need, but the king that they want. And Samuel does just that in the next eight verses that Amelia read for us before Samuel them exactly what this king will be like but there's a very telling word here that's repeated a number of times and it's the word take. This king will be a taker. This king will take and take and take and take. We see there this king will take your sons away from you. This king will take your daughters away from you. This king will take the best of your land away from you. This king will take 10% of all your wheat and all your grapes from you. This king will take away the best of your servants away from you. And this king will take 10% of all your stock away from you. It's take, it's take, it's take, it's take. This is the king you want. And then the, when the king does that, on that day you complain about him, Samuel says. And the Lord will not listen to you that day because this is the king that you wanted. You can imagine that whole thing being listed out there and it's a bit like Samuel finishes, do you still want a king? After he does all this taking, do you still want a king? Is is this the sort of king you want? And their answer is nothing short of astounding. Look at what, look at what they say in verses 19 and 20. After saying all that, Here's what they say, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us, even though he's going to take everything off us. No, we want a king, that we may also be like all the nations around us, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight over us. We want a king, we just want to be like everyone else around us. Two things happening here as we actually see what's taking place there. First, it is the rejection of God. They've rejected God. They don't want his ways. And what is this? this is the foundational problem with humanity. We reject God's rule over our lives. Started with Adam and Eve in the garden way back at the beginning of time. And it's been repeated through every human being ever since then. We reject God's rule over our lives. What is this, the rejection of God? It is is the sinful, dark side of the storyline right throughout the Bible. We reject God, we walk in darkness, we walk in sinfulness, and it's the dark storyline of the Bible. The light is God's gospel, God's grace, and the darkness is our rejection of him. Why is Russia invading Ukraine? Why do they do that? Because they've rejected God's rule and they want to take things into their own hands. Reject God's rule and I'll do it my way. Why do we want to hurt people with our words? Why do we do that? Because we reject God's rule and thereby make myself the most important person in life. And whoever crosses my agenda, well I'll let you know about it in no uncertain terms. That's what happens. We reject God's rule and then we take matters into our own hands. It's the dark side of rejecting God. And this rejection of God's right and good rule in our lives is the foundational problem with all humanity. It's the root cause of why everything is broken and distorted in this world. We reject God and these are the consequences that come out of that. Secondly, sin in this rejection of who God is has this blinding effect upon our thinking. What's Israel doing here? They're looking across at the Philistines, their nearest neighbours and all the other nations that are surrounding about them here and they're saying, we want what you've got. We want what you've got. We're not content with what God has given us. And we think what you've got is better. This rejection, this sinfulness has this blinding effect upon them. Even though Samuel's gone and said, hey, all these things the king's going to take off you, it's like, we can't see that, we still want a king. It's blinded them to the realities of what they're asking for. Actually, Paul captures this for us in Romans chapter 1 where he says this. Because they, ex- they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Paul's unpacking there in Romans chapter 1 this breakdown of humanity where we would rather serve the creature rather than the creator we actually get blind by the beauty of the creator and we want the created thing or the creature our sin and our brokenness has this blinding effect upon us that distorts the world as we see it we get in love with this world around about us but not in love with the one who's created this world and given it to us perhaps it looks like this we may be in a marriage a marriage with children and we're feeling a little bit discontent we look across at another man or another woman and think, that's what I want. That'll make me happy. If only I had that. And then we're prepared to blow up a marriage and blow up a family to get what we want. It's the blinding effects of sin. It distorts what reality is. The Israelites here, they're blinded by this sinful, godless thinking. No, we want a king For ourselves, despite what he's going to do. Okay, so what does God do with this rejection? What is God going to do with this here? Well, a king was always in God's plans and purposes. And I say that because you can go back to Deuteronomy where God had already written about how a king should rule Israel. He knew that somewhere down the track, absolutely in his sovereign understanding, hey, this is what would happen. They would reject him. So he actually put some provisions in place straight away. So in verse 22, he does say, obey their voice and make them a king. And this is exactly what we see over the next two chapters. Between chapters 9 and 11, God provides them with a king. And what we'll see here is over these next few chapters, God will give Israel a contrast of two kings. The first will be King Saul, and following that will be King David. The first king is the sort of king that Israel wants, a king like just, or just like all the other nations. The second king will be the king that God knows what Israel needs. First one is what Israel wants and the second one is what Israel needs. We're going to see this contrast, not today, but as we read through these next few chapters, you'll actually see this contrast here. But we are introduced to this first king in chapter 9 with this description in verse 2. It says this about King Saul. Uh, He had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he from his shoulders upward he was taller than any of the people it's an important verse there again of what the writer's trying to communicate to us he's telling us something here about the type of king that Israel wanted now let me just uh, ask a bit of a pop quiz question who's heard of Chris Hemsworth I see a few smiles on some of the ladies faces here (laughs) who's heard of Rock Hudson that might sort of pick up another generation yeah, I'll see if the other smile's going up. Well, let's go back to Chris Hemsworth. He's close to a Rock Hudson. Chris Hemsworth is an actor from the Marvel movies and he plays the character Thor. Now, some of you ladies straight away just say, he is big, he is buff, he is handsome. Well, nearly as handsome as me. Go home and Google it. You'll see a picture of him and get a picture of me. You'll see many similarities <laughs> from about the toes down, I would reckon. This is the king that Israel wants. They just want someone who's big, brave, beautiful and just unreal banana peel. That's what they want. They just want this big manly king. Well, they are going to get that because the writers already told us that's the direction they're going. But before we get there, let's take a moment to see how God is working even through this to reveal himself to the Israelites. Early in chapter 9, you'll actually see this, this God's providence working through all of these circumstances to confirm, hey, I'm actually part of all what's going on here. Early in chapter 9, we find Saul here. He's looking for lost donkeys from his father's business. He's just introduced like that. He's wandering out here in the, uh, the wilderness of Palestine looking for these lost donkeys. And then in verses 11 and 14, God ordains that, uh, that Saul and Samuel, so Samuel's the judge that we're we'll about, reading about here, will be in the same city on the same day. So Saul, who's the one that God's chosen, and Samuel, the one who's going to anoint him, are going to be in the same city on the same day as they're looking for these random donkeys here in Palestine. The day before Samuel arrives in this city, in verses 7 to 15 to 17, God tells him, I'm going to bring you a man from the tribe of Benjamin, anoint him to be the prince of my people. Have a look at that with me in verses 15 to 17 of chapter 9. It says here, Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel... Tomorrow about this time I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel he shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines for I have seen my people because their cry has come to me verse 17 when Samuel saw Saul the Lord told him here is the man of whom I spoke to you he it is who shall restrain my people So God's working through these details and hand-selecting the king that Israel want. Not so much the king that they need, but the king that they want. Now to see these details unfold, you go into chapter 10 and you'll see here the anointing of Saul and also a whole range of other, you might think, random signs But they're not random, it's actually the Lord who's working through all of this and you'll see a number of things happening. First thing you'll see is this, Saul, this is after Samuel's been with him, you're going to meet two people at a specific location who are going to tell you the donkeys are safe. Paul wanders off the next day and he meets these two people in this specific location, they're just random people, but they're not random people. Saul, the donkeys you've been looking for, they're safe. First thing that takes place. And then Samuel also says to Saul, Saul, you're going to meet three people carrying this type of food, specific food, and these people are going to give you two loaves of bread, Saul. And the next day, Saul's wandering off, someone's told him about the donkeys that have been found, and he meets these three random people, but they're not random people because God's in this, and they give him two loaves of bread, just as he was told the day before. And then Saul is told again, as you go further down you're going to meet a group of prophets coming up with you with musical instruments. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Saul, and you'll begin to start prophesying with them. So Paul meets the two guys with the donkeys, meets the guys with the loaves of bread, and he meets these bunch of prophets with these musical instruments later that day, and the same thing happens, totally fulfilled by the Lord. Now, it might appear like random events, but they're not. This is God and his sovereign providence still working with the nation of Israel when they don't deserve it, bringing this king that they want, not necessarily they need. Just to see that, nothing, happen, nothing happens by chance with God. He's working through all of this. Now God gives them this king Saul and he ultimately won't be a good king for them. He won't be, He'll start off okay. But he goes bad very, very quickly. Now sometimes we've got to understand that's what God does with us. Sometimes God does that with us. He'll give us things that aren't necessarily good for us immediately. You might think, well, why does he do that? Why would he let me have something that, you know, that's going to be bad for me? Because he gives us what our heart desires. That's what he's doing here for Israel. They desire a king, just like all the other nations around about them. But it wasn't going to be good for them. But but they wanted a king just like that. Sometimes God will actually give us those things in life, and sometimes He'll teach us through that to show us just how empty this world is, as we, as we sort of thirst for the things of this world. God will actually allow that to come into our life. What we desire. To begin to show us here that when we seek life outside of God this is the result. It can be brokenness and emptiness, dissatisfaction because we're trying to find life outside of what God has planned for us and if you think about what Israel is doing here it's actually showing us this very very important thing. It's the cry of the human heart here of what Israel is doing. They're looking for a king, they're looking for a hero they're looking for someone or something that will save them, that will actually give them perhaps a direction in life, a direction of where to go. If we think about that, that's what we do. We are looking for somebody or something who will lead us to the life where we feel safe or we feel content or we feel fulfilled, provided for, cared for. We're looking for that. Have a guess what? That's exactly how God has made us. That is exactly how God has made us. God's made us to, be, to worship and find life in him and him alone, in another person, the person of God. That is what God's created us for. And here's the challenge we have in life, just like the Israelites. Sometimes we look for that in other places. It may be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It may be a husband or wife. If only I had Chris Hemsworth for a husband. Then my life would be complete. I don't think so. Maybe we look for a career or a business opportunity. If I could just have that career or that business opportunity, if I could just land that dream job, then I would be fulfilled. I don't think so. You might get some short term fixes there, but no. If I only could look like that person over there, if I only could have what that person's got over there, then I'd be satisfied we think like that why do people flock to social media and to follow other people why do we actually have this person we want to follow their podcast or social media posts it's like we're looking for a leader we're looking for a hero we're looking for someone who can actually point me to life someone who can show me the way and that's what Israel is doing here is they look for another king Someone who can actually lead us. Someone who can actually show me where life is. It is the cry of the human heart. We were made for that. Except we look for it in all the wrong places. God's created us to worship him. Sin has broken in and corrupted our entire minds where we don't look for God. We look for other things. We look for cheap imitations that will never sustain us and can never save us. That's what we look for. That's what Israel is doing right here. We want a king. We just want to be like all the other nations around about us. God in his marvellous grace gives us exactly what we need. God will give us a king who will save us. God will give us a king who will lead us. And God will give us a king who will never let us down. God in his grace gives us himself in Jesus Christ as our true king, our true king. Here's what Jesus said upon Pontius Pilate just before he was crucified. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answers this in John chapter 18. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth, that truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This is the ultimate true king that Israel had, but now rejecting. This king comes back again and says, I am your true king. I am the king that you need. I'm the king that brings the truth to your life, the the, the truth that sets you free. I'm the king who brings you the life that you are made for. I am the true king who can be always trusted. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to stop running after these El Cheapo imitation saviors that'll only fail us in the end. They'll prop us up for a short time, they'll sort of just get us going a bit, but eventually they can't save us, they can't sustain us and we will fall flat on our face if we keep seeking all these other imitation saviors in this world. We've got to stop running after those things. We've got to run to Jesus, the only true king, the only one who can make sense of this world and the only one who can truly save us and truly give us an eternal hope that's the king we're going to run to and that's the king that will never let us down which king are you going to run to which king are you looking for now There's only one true king to run to, and it's King Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we can come and open up your word. Lord, we thank you for your amazing providence. God, we thank you as we just see this narrative here as Israel is working towards its first king, Lord, and they are wanting a king to suit their own needs and they're not trusting in you to provide a king that they truly need they want what everybody else has got lord they're looking across and saying if only i had that then my life would be complete father we can see that today we have been made to want something we've been made to worship something and we know that that something is you lord Please help us today, please help us today to have eyes that are opened up to that, that you are the true king that we want, you are the true king that we need and you are the true king that makes sense of this life and you're the true king who walks every step of every day with us to guide us and lead us through this world and you're the true king who will save us for eternity. God, please help us to see that today and to come and to run after this King, King Jesus. Lord, today, I thank you that you've spoken to us through your word. Holy Spirit, lodge that into our hearts. Change us, transform us so that we would run after that King with all of our might and delight in this great and glorious King. Lord, today we ask that we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.